Welcome into the Athletics Prospects to Pros podcast, coming to you from inside the Indiana Convention Center. Uh, we're, I don't know, 50 feet from where they're going to do the bench press this week. Uh, see if anyone wants to hop up there when we're done recording. Uh, full table today. Joined, uh, I'm sitting across from our producer, Kent Garrison. Got Dane Brugler, as always. Uh, you can get him at DP Brugler. And our uh, special guest, Ted Wynn, at uh, FB underscore film analysis. Happy to have him joining us here. Before we get going, I uh, just want to mention real quick, you can, uh, if you haven't signed up yet for The Athletic, you can head over to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros. You get 40% off. Uh, and then in about a month or so, you'll get access to Dane's great draft guide, too, yeah. with that subscription. So make sure you go over and do that. Thanks to everyone who signed up uh, for The Athletic in general, but especially through that link. We appreciate it. And uh, make sure you rate and review the Prospects to Pros pro- podcast, too, and you can let us know what you think uh, on Twitter as well. So uh, we'll get into this. We're uh, still waiting. Got tomorrow, Thursday, the first set of uh, drills happen in prime time there, but we've had a couple days now of measurements and uh, press conferences and everything and uh, some of the big names here. So uh, we'll get into the quarterbacks in a second, but Dane, uh, anything sort of jump out to you so far? No, I mean, you know, like you said, the, the on-field stuff does not start until uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, and so that's when things will really pick up. But for now, it's just seeing these guys at the podium trying to, you know, learn more things about them, especially these underclassmen. Well, a lot of these seniors we've seen at the Senior Bowl and the All-Star Games, but a lot of these underclassmen figuring out, okay, where are they health-wise? Um, you know, how are they, what's their mindset going into this? Are they even going to run? Um, so, you know, some of these guys, uh, you can tell a little more seasoned than others. I thought Makai Becton, uh, the uh, big offensive tackle uh, from Louisville, uh, was really impressive. He, he's really comfortable in, in his own skin. There's a lot of skin. Uh, he's <laughs> 6'8", uh, 364 pounds, I think it was. Um, just mammoth wingspan, uh, huge human being. But he 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 was stood up there and you know he crushed it. So um, I think Worfs uh, was similar. Uh, Jedrick Wills, Tua yesterday called Jedrick Wills kind of the alpha of that offense, which was interesting to hear. Um, so yeah, it's always interesting, not only learning about each one of these players from them themselves, but asking okay, asking Tua about a guy like Jedrick Wills or, you know, having teammates play off each other or, you know, uh, talking to a few of these tight ends yesterday, who's the toughest player you faced all year, Bradley Anai was a common answer. So uh, really interesting learning uh, different things from these players about these other guys. How about you, Ted? Anything uh, catch your eye here over the first, whatever, 48 hours or so here? I, I just got in, so not much. <laughs> white, I just, white Castle caught your Yeah, the White, white Castle caught my attention. I uh, tried White Castle the first time. I you know, was a little disappointed. I couldn't believe Harold and Kumar traveled all that time for that slider. But so yeah. over, over under three reps on the bench for you? For, oh, uh, I, could probably, I, mean, I could probably do six or seven. Okay, yeah. good. I'd be Chris, under. should I, I ask I you? Am <laughs> comfortably under. Me too. Don't worry. We're, we're both there. Uh, yeah, you, you got us there. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I look small, but I, I can I can bench. That's my that's my best lift, probably. So I, nice. I, I might be able to get ten on a good day. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, Dane. Like you said, uh, I think it is interesting to hear. Um, uh, it's it's always interesting for me to hear the guys talk about people they played against right you know, yeah you heard chase young's name a bunch heard jeffrey akuda's name a bunch you Derek mentioned brown Derek brown yeah. you mentioned wills he uh said his toughest matchup was josh uche which mm. is uh in the bowl game yeah um you know josh uche's obviously got some good momentum going uh through the offseason process here or for, through the draft process so 
uh, kind of always like listening to that too, just to hear, um, you know, who's a tough matchup for guys. Neville Gallimore, I heard a couple times too. So um, that's always interesting. But like I said, we wanted to get into the, the quarterbacks uh, as we usually do sort of early in the show. And Joe Burrow had one of the bigger press conferences and then uh, Tua as well packed him in. But Joe Burrow had, uh, it, I guess we were, it was unavoidable that we get to some of the talk about uh, the rumors that he didn't want to go to Cincinnati. So here's uh, just what Joe Burrow had to say about that. If the Bengals select you at number one, would you happily report to go play for them? Yeah, I'm not going to not play. Um, I'm a ball player. Whoever picks me, I'm going to go show up. That would be exciting to be able to play in Ohio professionally, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's two two hours, 15 minutes from my house, and I could go home for dinner if I wanted to. Um, not, not a lot of pro athletes could get to do that. All right, so... Are we done with that? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't know. That, that yeah sounded kind of you know, like forced a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, so I guess the the couple things here that jump out. Uh, one was the Joe Burrow. The other thing that we had, he had to answer for, and we can run this clip too before we get into the conversation here. Uh, his hand size came in at nine inches. That's mm-hmm. always a big thing with the quarterback. So let's listen to Joe Burrow, then we can hit on it a little bit. Last, last night you tweeted about the, the metric on the hand measurement. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's kind of silly? I mean, obviously you perform well. I mean, you're a quarterback. and Yeah, I mean, you know, these measurements, you can you can take so much from them. Um, if it's a glaring issue on film with turnovers, yeah, it's probably an issue. But, you know, I didn't have a lot of fumbles or anything like that. So I just tried to, you know, make a little joke out of it. All right. So, uh, like I said, nine inches, not exactly what you're looking for there. But there's also not a lot of evidence that it's been a problem for him. We talked all year about how well he threw the football he was playing and uh there were a lot of those games down in the sec where it's pretty uh hot and humid and, right exactly um didn't t- see anything there but uh dane any i mean any concern for you at all no he, he hit the nail on the head if it's something that was an issue on tape then okay i, I think that that would explain it a little bit um honestly like a guy like jordan love i saw him drop a lot of snaps and i was kind of a little concerned about what the uh, what his hand size was going to be. It ended up being almost 11, so no concerns with him. But with Burrow, I mean, I think he had four fumbles this year. Um, it was not something where, and we know from his watching him on tape, uh, he's a guy that likes to move around a lot. Uh, you know, he is not shy holding onto the football and negotiating the pocket, buying those second chance throws. And so there were plenty of opportunities for that ball to get knocked out, and it was not an issue for him. I, it, I'm assuming, you know, it, it's. Did you see the same thing? Yeah, I mean, Mike Renner from PFF tweeted that Zach Robinson, who worked with them, he had small hands too. He said the biggest issue with having small hands is playing in humidity because your mm-hmm. hand gets sweaty. It's hard to control the ball. Right. Um, but you know, like you mentioned, he played a lot of hot games at LSU, and he had no issue at all. You know, he just was so accurate throughout the year. So there was no evidence that it hindered him on films. So I don't think that's a, a issue to me. It's kind of interesting to hear that that it's that the humidity and the heat is maybe the biggest concern because we always talk about it the other way. Like, I think everyone always asking Cleveland when they had the high pick if you could draft a guy that would play in cold weather with small hands and probably the same thing with Cincinnati. So that's kind of interesting to hear him take it the other way. And, you know, I I assume it's not going to be a problem. But, Ted, while we've got you here, I know you've watched a lot of these quarterbacks. Uh, Dane, we've been talking up Joe Burrow for months now. Dane's had him. Uh, you know, QB1 in this class and uh, right at the top of the the big board overall. Is that 
I mean, do you see that guy in him? Do you see that number one quarterback? Yeah, I mean, he does everything at elite level besides having that, you know, crazy arm talent. But he processes well. He's probably the most mature prospect that I've seen in a long time as far as negotiating the pocket and moving around in and out. He could subly, you know, make small moves in a pocket and buy time. He could break outside the pocket. And he's a legit athlete. He could do some damage with his legs, too. Uh, so he, he, he's one of the cleaner prospects that I've seen. And I, I think I would put him number one, even if Tua had a complete clean bill of health. He, he'd be number one in, in, my, in my rankings. If you had to boil it down to just one trait, like what do you think that Joe Burrow does the best that you've seen? I mean, one trait, uh, what is it for you that you were really blown away by? It has to be pocket manipulation for me. It's just, you know, he, he, he just has that sixth sense of knowing where the rushers are and how to evade them. He could even break tackles, you know, like people think just because he's a weak arm, he's a weak athlete, but he, he, he's a legit athlete. And um, I, I was just so impressed with the way he moved in the pocket. Yeah, he was all state basketball, senior year of high school. I mean, he, he moves. He's not going to run a four or five, but, you know, he's, he's probably going to be four, seven, five to four, eight, five, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's a functional athlete for the position uh, in the same way Peyton Manning was or a lot of these other guys, Tom Brady. Um, it, it's just, it's rare to see the, the improvements that he made his junior year. Mm-hmm. Did you watch any of his junior tape? Or did I you, did. And so did you see that, I mean, did you just chalk it up to the context that he joined LSU, you know, uh, the summer of his of his junior year? And so it was just, it was a development process, getting used to the new new teammates, new coaching staff. Um, it just, it took time. Uh, it, was there anything else that maybe you think is behind the reasoning in, in his, uh, his just improved play all around? Yeah, I think a few things. I think it definitely took some time to get used to being at LSU and getting to use those teammates and that system. Um, and and one, when I watched him last year, I I was just legitimately surprised at how weak his arm was and that there were throws he just couldn't make mm-hmm. that were there that were available that he just couldn't make them. And he worked hard in the offseason in you know, getting his lower body more involved in his throws. And it, it made a huge difference. Like, he's not... He still, you wouldn't describe him as having a strong arm, but he can make all all those throws now. You know, he's still not great on those outside zip throws, but he he could still he could make them if he throws it on time. You know, whereas last year I just thought he this guy just couldn't make some of those throws. And then you know, Joe Brady made a huge difference difference in that offense as well. Uh, I, I think they really did him a lot of favors going five wide and letting him uh, you know see the whole field and letting him uh, give him some, giving him space to uh, move in the pocket. So uh, I think just strengthening his arm and and just having Joe Brady there. Uh, really helped him uh, propel uh, propel him to that next level. And I think that his ability to work with five-man protections mm-hmm. is a big part of allowing them to go five wide. And, you know, just putting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire into the slot, motioning him out, whatever, you know, going empty and just relying on those five-man protections, his ability to negotiate the pocket and, uh, you know, not be flustered at all and mm-hmm. find those second-chance throws – definitely a big part of that and I think you know he talked about it uh, yesterday at the podium how uh, Joe Brady coming in even though Joe Brady didn't he didn't call the plays uh, that was still Steve Emzinger uh, but his uh, what he brought was Joe Brady brought was uh, his ability to make more checks at the line and you know based off of what he was reading out there what he was seeing and that really you could see that on film 
uh, you know, his ability at the line of scrimmage before the snap to see things, understanding where his hot route was, understanding where the pressure was coming from, where his outlet was at all times, um, and it got better throughout the year. Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, if, if you're going to go a lot of five wide, you have to trust your quarterback to be able to read blitzes because uh, defenses are going to blitz you if you go five wide because they want to punish you for just going five-man pass pro. And mm-hmm. if you have a quarterback that can't read it or is just okay at reading it, you won't be able to do that. And Burrow was – I thought he was the best quarterback against the blitz this year, and um, that's going to – that's going to be a trait that translates to the next level. No question. And the other element of this, you heard it a little bit in those clips from the podium, is there's no concern, I don't think, at this point about how he's going to handle this situation. If he goes number one overall, I mean, obviously he's in big games all year. Uh, You saw the the clips of him after they won the national championship with the cigar, you know, just sort of hanging out, enjoying life. He's got that personality that I think is going to translate to the next level. And uh, he's what twenty three. He's I mean yeah. he's a little older right. prospect too. So I think the maturity's there. I don't think there's any concerns. Um, not that there are with two or any of these guys that we're talking about, but I'd certainly uh, I don't think there's any worry for the Bengals that they're going to get a guy who's going to get in there and, and just panic about everything. So. Um, and when you hear his teammates talk about him, yeah. it, that really resonates. I mean, it, it, it's it really impressive to hear his teammates talk about his resiliency and his leadership. And he's probably not the most rah-rah guy, but he just, when you see his mentality, you see his eyes. I mean, you just, you just know he's locked in and you feel confident when you see him in the huddle that, hey, we're going to get this done. We're going to get that first down. We're going to you know drive down the field. And uh, that, that's something that really impacts the rest of your offense. That confidence, it, it rubs off and it feeds off of uh, everyone around you. Yeah, I think it's rare for, you know, for everybody to know how confident he is not being a rah-rah guy. You know, yeah. he has that quiet confidence, and that's, to me, sometimes more real than a guy that's just rah-rah all the time. It's funny. I remember doing the podcast right after the Texas game. This is September 8th, September 9th. I mean, and he had that phenomenal game, and we're talking, like, is this for real? Like, is this guy, <laughs> right. like, yeah. this is easily the best, you know, we've seen him. Like, what's what's next for him? Um, it, so, it to see him do it throughout the year, the fact that he didn't have, it's not that, I mean, he never had an average game at all. And just so to see that consistency uh, for all 15 games, that gives me, and I think it should give everybody the confidence that it's not like this is a, uh, something that is a fluke. It's not something that, um, you know, is a one year type of deal. This is a guy that this is who he is. Yeah. And he played better against elite competition too, which yeah. is, which <laughs> is, uh, you know, another reason why I would, I buy Joe Burrow stock. The last thing on him, and then we'll get to Tua a little bit, but does it bother you at all that he's not throwing here? No, I mean, like, you know, you you have more experience watching this stuff than I do, but, like, when, you know, what do quarterbacks really have to gain, you know, in, in the combine throwing in shorts? Yeah. You know, like, it's better, you know, if you have that choice to do it at your pro day where it's more of a controlled situation, you know your receivers. I, Burrow has a little bit of leverage, obviously, because he is clear favorite, number one. Um, I think his explanation makes some sense. I mean, he they played football into uh, you know deep into the season. He hasn't had as much time to train, uh, where some of these guys had a few extra weeks. Um, I'm not I'm not as worried about with him. Um, you know, I I think there is some value in seeing, like for example, uh, Jacob Eason because it's alpha order. Eason and Fromm throwing one after the other. Eason's got that gun where Fromm doesn't. Seeing the disparity between the two, and you know how that, how that, how you grade uh, Jake Fromm in terms of how he's going to fit the next level with an average arm. Uh, I mean, th- that's where you can gain stuff. But 
I don't know. I, I also don't think you, help, you hurt yourself. I mean, Cam Newton had one of the worst passing performances here at the Combine I've ever seen, and he still went number one and has done just fine. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a big deal, uh, but it still would be nice if he was able to throw here. I kind of wonder if he would throw or be more inclined to throw if Tua was throwing. Yeah, you know, you're right. the guy who maybe could leapfrog you isn't working out here either, so you don't have well, a whole I, lot of risk. Do you remember Josh Allen, Sam Arnold, or Sam Darnold, whether or not they threw? Yeah, uh, I don't. Do exactly. you? Exactly. <laughs> that's that's my point. At All the right. end of the day, we don't. You know, like it, we don't really remember because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Uh, so Tua mentioned him a couple times, and obviously, you know, we're talking about him as a potential uh, kind of pivot guy in the top five. Uh, here's what he had to say about uh, where he's at with his medicals. This rehab process has been, a, you know, it's been gradually getting, you know, up as far as workouts with what we've been doing. Um, so just strengthening all the parts around around the hip, you know, the glute, the hamstring, the quad. Um, and just being able to be ready that once March 9th hits and we're cleared to go, then uh, I'll be able to do everything. So... Pretty good news so far, everything we've heard. You know, it sounds like the medicals went well for him. He said March 9th he's expecting to be cleared um, for by his doctors and then uh, hoping to at least throw, I guess, in April when, um, when Alabama has its pro day. So, uh, you know, you still feeling pretty good about him, Dane? Where he's at? I mean, just the progress, again, sounds like it's going well for him at this point. Yeah, and that's that's good. I mean, it's progress. Um, I still don't think we know enough about uh, how the injury is going to affect him uh, as a quarterback. Because when you watch him, this is a guy that uses his hips a lot with in terms of generating power in his throws. Um, you know, he is a twitchy player, and you see, you know, different bi- the biomechanics of him as a quarterback. Um, he's a very twitchy thrower in that respect, and. Until we see him actually throw the football and use his hips and move, I mean, I think it's we don't really know anything at this point. And so that's why that that pro day, his own personal pro day on April 9th is going to matter so much, more so than other quarterback pro days in the past. And it's not so much about, um, you know, I mean, the accuracy will matter, obviously, but I just want to see him throw and not be limited in his body control and the way he moves. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of describing him. Um, everything starts with the hips with him, you know, like he he's able just to kind of jump into position to make throws and really explode out of, out of, out of his hips. So, yeah, I, I think that you have to see him actually do it um, to feel a little more comfortable with uh, drafting him high. Yeah, even if the doctors give, you know, yeah, he, he's, he's progressing well, he's cleared the throw. If he doesn't look the same, it's going to give you a little bit of doubt uh, in terms of investing a top five pick in him. So it, it is it's such a challenging evaluation that's going to take a leap of faith. And I think that's important to note, too, what you just said, that, you know, clear him to throw is different than right. being cleared to play in week one. And I think right. we're still talking about, you know, even if he throws at the pro day, I don't know that we're going to see him doing a lot you know maybe not running the 40 or doing a lot of scramble drills or anything like that it's just something to get back on the field and and get some work in front of teams and like you said i think it is important especially because i mean it sure seems like number three number two i don't know where we're at with him but you know number two number three as we've been talking about for weeks here like that's the guy that someone might come up and get i mean bob quinn uh detroit has the number three pick you know bob quinn sort of floated the idea that someone would trade up for a something other than a quarterback at three i i don't know if you're buying that or not you never say never mock draft uh, you know, i mean we talk so much about how awesome jeff okuda is um you know could someone move up for him um you know i, I think 
quarterback is always going to be the conversation in the top five and the domino effect that will have on the rest of the top ten. So um, I, I think right now here at the Combine, this is when we start to hear all these different whispers and you know what could happen. And free agency will obviously change some things. Um, if certain teams don't get their corner, um, would they be more inclined to trade up for you know a, a Jeff Okuda or a, you know these quarterbacks with uh, Justin Herbert and Jordan Love? I mean, you can't rule out those guys as you know uh, uh, players that teams could fall in love with. And I still think that the who's going to be that third quarterback off the board? I, I still think that's up for debate. Uh, I don't think it's just a slam dunk, Justin Herbert. I think he's the favorite, but I don't think it's uh, a slam dunk by any means. And could they go top ten? So. There's plenty of intrigue um, at the top, and I don't know if you look at these other quarterbacks. Then Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, um, either one of those guys to you is there a clear? Uh, well, first of all, is Tua your number two quarterback? Tua is my number two. Is there yeah. a clear number three? I, I honestly, I would right now. I would probably go with Herbert, but I think those three quarterbacks, Love, Herbert, and Eason are kind of similar like they're they're big players with big arms but they all have some really big issues that could um you know that we've seen doom quarterbacks in in the past so um you know i i would say herbert's my number three but i'm, I'm definitely not in love with the the next tier of of quarterbacks yeah yeah i mean how do you have them rigged i to me and I have Herbert and then Love. I switched it. Going into the Senior Bowl, I had Love than Herbert. Leaving the Senior Bowl, I, and I had him closer rated. Um, I switched it. I've got Herbert, Love. It's it's a the ceiling floor debate. Mm-hmm. You know, Herbert's probably got the higher the higher floor. Like you understand what he he's a four year mm-hmm. starter. Exactly. It won the Rose Bowl. Won the Pac twelve championship this year. Um, whereas Love, uh, you know, coming off this subpar season, and I think it's fascinating. What if we switch his sophomore year and his junior year? Mm-hmm. You know, where he's so productive as a sophomore, and you know, he he's a lock top ten pick. If if you switch those two seasons, and so just trying to figure him out has been one of the biggest challenges this year. I, I think he's going to go top fifteen when it's all said and done. Uh, but it, it is tough to figure him out. Yeah, I think Love is one of the more difficult evaluations because. Um, you know, like he, he's in this new system, and it's clear that he does not have talent at the wide receiver position. Oh, yeah. And those guys don't even know what they're doing sometimes, right. and they're not in the right spot. And that just makes the evaluation so difficult. And you know, and that drop off from last year to this year is just huge. So uh, that that's I I want to put him ahead of Herbert, but some you know when you watch some of the film, it was just so ugly uh, last year that it, it's difficult to do. Yeah. And he made some of those uh, at Senior Bowl too. I don't know if this is what flip the rankings for you but there were some of those mistakes from Jordan Love at the senior bowl where he you know they were doing 11 on 11 drills and right. throw it into in coverage in the second level and you're wondering what he's even seen like he got picked off by linebackers once or twice I mean right. there's still those mistakes that uh you know you hope he grows out of and, and starts to learn from some of them but they're still there for, right you know hope's not much of a strategy <laughs> no. you know and it's just it, it's what makes the quarterback position so tough is trying to figure out where he is in his mental development and i think the same thing goes for eason um you know he's a quarterback who obviously had did some nice things as a freshman but then he was off two years uh, this past year you see the power arm i mean that, mm-hmm. that's obvious um my biggest thing with eason 
does he have enough mobility to handle the pass rush? You know, can he buy those second chance throws? Is you know, he can move a little bit. He's not a statue per se, but he's also doesn't have the athleticism as uh, Herbert or Love or even or even Burrow. Um, and so, can he do enough to escape the pressure and and, and uh, negotiate the pass rush? Something that we talked about Burrow doing so well. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some examples of Eason moving around and breaking some tackles, but for the most part, he's kind of just stationary in a pocket, mm-hmm. and his feet just kind of looks like it's stuck in mud sometimes. And, uh, like, there, there are times where he doesn't even really use his feet to get into throws, and he kind of falls in that trap of just relying all on his, his arms. So, I mean, with Eason, I think he's an interesting developmental project, and uh, it, I, I've heard that there's a possibility he might be in the second round. I, I wouldn't draft him that high, but if, you know, if I were able to get a chance to get him in a, you know, the mid rounds and work with him for, mm-hmm. you know, develop for a year, I think that'd be the best spot for him. Yeah. Uh, anyone, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see some of these other guys too. I mean, I think uh, Anthony Gordon is one that I mm-hmm. would like to see. We saw at the senior bowl, you've got him Dane at number seven on your uh, pre-combine quarterback rankings, which all those position breakdowns are up on the athletic.com right now. If you want to go check those out, uh, he was talking, I, I tweeted it out, the quote, because I found it kind of interesting. Um, you know, someone asked him about only starting for a year at Washington State, and he said, well, I, you know, I threw, t- NFL teams have 700 passes of mine to look at <laughs> on tape because we threw so much. Uh, and so people, you know, kind of use that air raid offense as a knock against him. But he was pointing out that maybe it's a positive. I mean, 700 throws, is a that's two or three years <laughs> in a pro-style system. So uh, that's one of the guys I see. You know, you got Cole McDonald at 10. It's kind of intriguing. Uh, Ted, is there anyone else you want to no, take a look I, at here? I, I think Anthony Gordon's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there are some interesting traits. Like he is able to see some uh, those angles that, you know, especially in the deep throws, I think there's some quarterbacks that struggle to really know what's open, and I think that he has that ability to see see what's open and make some of those tougher throws. And um, uh, he he's he's a guy that really needs to develop too, because uh, I mean it, I've never seen a quarterback just kind of just wait staying still in the pocket and all of a sudden snap into a throw and make it. That, re- uh, that release. Yeah. For yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. And I, I talked to uh, Will Hewitt, who, who's uh, uh, coaching him now, and it's one of the bad habits that he's trying to break out of. So uh, with, with him, you know, he's definitely a project, but I think there's some interesting tools to uh, to work with with Gordon, and I'm interested to see where he gets drafted and, uh, and how he develops, because I, I think there are some tools there to work with. Well, and this is where my favorite part of the draft process is learning about these guys' journey and where they come... That we're how they've got to this point because nobody no two players have the same journey in terms of when they started playing football um you know just their, their different paths and with anthony gordon he's a guy that in his life he's he's started four seasons of football before you know, he's like two in high school one at juco and then this past year at washington state because he was a baseball guy most of his mm-hmm. life until i think his junior year when he started playing quarterback so this is a player who in terms of football years is extremely young yep uh, so I, I think there's now with that trying to determine how what's his ceiling and that's where the challenge comes in how much better can he actually get um that 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 is the challenging part but i mean i think gardner Minshew would argue that being in that washington state offense for only one year wasn't so bad so yeah the uh baseball background it's kind of interesting to hear the a lot of the quarterbacks were like middle infield his shortstop center field uh played up the middle there you hear the offensive tackles you got a lot of the former basketball players there there's a big argument for uh letting your kids play more than one sport (laughs) in this in the combine press room uh another quarterback 
I mean, I don't think we need to put quotations around quarterback, but Jalen Hurts got asked if he was going to switch positions or if he was willing to switch positions. I don't know that we need to be having that conversation, but just in terms of him as a quarterback, I'll start with you on this one, Ted. Is he a, is he a guy that you think could have an NFL future, or we do we need to be talking about him as a wide receiver or uh, whatever else? I mean, he put up numbers in Oklahoma, but that was against some bad defenses, and um, he had a lot of talent to work with with Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, I think he'll get drafted, but I'm just not very high on his you know on his on his, his how he's going to translate to the next level at all uh I, I think even the oklahoma coaches were a little surprised at how limited he was as a passer there was he left a lot of opportunities on the field um so and, and he's not i don't think he's good enough of an athlete to switch positions as well so that's the another, another difficult part um so yeah i'm, I'm just not really high on jalen hurts no, i mean that's that echoes kind of what i've been saying and um I, I agree. Him being asked um, not to play another, or not to work out another position, I think is more about because I don't think he has what it takes to be a running back or a wide receiver, and mm-hmm. that's just he's. I think he's going to be a guy without a true position. When you watch him on tape, I mean, like you were saying, he just he holds the ball too long. He's not anticipating. He's not seeing it before it's open. And then by the time he lets go, I mean, some of these throws that you know were almost intercepted in the Big Twelve are definitely going to be intercepted uh, versus NFL speed. It's just it's going to be really it's an uphill climb for him to you know go from where he is now to what it's going to take to survive uh, on an NFL roster and. I just I don't have any confidence that he'll get there. Um, now it's going to be interesting to see where he gets drafted. Uh, I still think he could go top 100 for a team that's looking for a little bit of a spark and you know thinking that they can they can coach him up and all that and, and maybe they can. Um, but he, he is going to be a a, it's a wild card uh, on draft weekend when it comes to figuring out where exactly he goes. Yeah, I mean I I, I thought Trace McSorley wasn't going to get drafted last year, and yeah. if he got drafted, you know right. I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Hurts got drafted like maybe the fourth fifth round or it, something like that. It's an intangible position, we know that, mm-hmm. and his intangibles are off the charts. Yeah, uh, football yeah. character and the you know the leadership, the way he carries himself. You know Nick Saban raves about him, the Oklahoma coaches rave about him, so no question there, and that's something that could potentially help him get into a quarterback room mm-hmm. so that's uh there there was a report that there has been no official request to switch jalen hurts to another position have him go through combine drills at another position but we do have several guys who uh have been asked i don't know how many have accepted but chase claypool was kind of the one that jumped out um had a couple tight end to running back requests too i assume that's more for fullback positioning but uh chase claypool wide receiver to tight end um trying to pull up his uh measurements here 64 238 uh you know 32 and a half inch arms i mean uh does this say anything about chase claypool or is this how teams are viewing receiving tight ends now i mean is it just more that he's sort of in that hybrid range yeah because he, he's what close to 240 right you said. yeah 238 yep yeah so i i don't think he's ever going to be a guy that you're going to want putting his hand on the ground and you know being a true inline guy but you know the the lines are so blurred when you talk about receivers and tight ends, especially you know the, the big slot receivers and guys that could be mismatches and guys you want to get lined up against a linebacker or a safety. And Claypool could potentially be that. I think he offers some versatility to play across the formation. If you want him to be um, outside or inside, if you want him to uh, you know maybe line up on the wing, he could do that. And um, so not a huge surprise that he's asked to work out. 
as uh, with the tight ends. I just don't think we're ever going to see him as you know, kind of that traditional tight end that most people view when they think of that position. Have you had a chance to look at other the other requests, the other position switch requests here? Uh, I heard a few. You got all of them? I've got the, the NFL, whatever the NFL draft's official account here tweeted out. So you got uh, Antonio Gibson, Malcolm Perry, Joe Reed in the wide receiver to running back drill group. Okay. Uh, Savon Ahmed, Raymond Calais, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and then Anthony McFarland r- running back to wide receiver. That's that's a little strange. Well, I mean, which Ed- one? Which Edwards-Hilaire. One <laughs> uh, wide yeah. receiver, 5'7"? Yeah, I mean, he, he's an outstanding mm-hmm. pass catcher. I mean, he caught, yeah. what, 55 balls this year? And, you know, I mean, he was tremendous, but it's kind of weird that he'd be working out with receivers like that. Uh, then a couple uh, – I missed. I mentioned the tight end to running back group uh, – Josiah DeGora from uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati yeah. Dalton Keene, and then I'm going to butcher the Portland State kids' name, <laughs> Charlie Tomo Pew. I don't know how Close to say enough. it. Uh, and, yeah, and that's, anyway. like a, that's a fullback <laughs> yeah. type designation, right? H-back type. Uh. Yeah, right. Um, and then a couple on defense, you got Brian Cole, cornerback to linebacker request, mm-hmm. and then uh, Kyle Duggar and Tanner Muse, safety linebacker. So anything jump out on that list other than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for you? Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Kyle Duggar is, I know some teams, they have him on the draft board as a weak side linebacker. So um, that that would make some sense that he'd be working out both spots. Tanner Muse, I think he is a linebacker. I don't think he's a safety, even though that's what he played at Clemson. Um, he's just, he's not a guy you're going to trust in coverage ever. Um, so you want him kind of coming downhill. I think he's going to have a tough time finding defensive snaps in general, but he could survive in the NFL as a special teams demon because he can run and he can hit and he's big and physical. And so some of his limitations might limit, um, you know, the, the sub packages that he can play on, uh, on defense, but special teams is where he can certainly thrive. Brian Cole, you know, he, he was a wide receiver turn defensive back and, um, you know, he's still trying to figure things out. So, uh, I mean, it, I think he's going to have a tough time, so teams are just trying to figure out what to do with him. Uh, I'm a little surprised Lynn Bowden not on here somewhere. Is he working out with the receivers? Is he, uh, you know, good backs? question. Yeah, I think I think he's <laughs> with the receivers. Pretty sure the receivers. Yeah, uh, I'm a little hmm. surprised he's not on that list, or maybe right. will be before we get to the the workouts. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, just to go, I guess, are we have we closed the book then on Jalen Hurts and uh, the position changes? Uh, Malcolm Perry is the one other, other one that jumps out here, mm. wide receiver to running back. We talked about him a little bit. Um, I was talking to him at the – he didn't get the podium. He was on at one of the tables over there, and I asked him what his favorite route was, uh, <laughs> and he said he doesn't have one yet. I was so going to say, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know where that puts him in the process, but, uh, you know, that's a guy – what about Antonio Gibson? That's someone we've talked about a little bit too, but uh, what do you – yeah, do you think I, he's a wide receiver or running back, or is he just one of those? He, yeah, he's somewhere in, in between. Yeah, yeah he, he's because he did a little bit of both. Um, I thought there were times where you're watching his tape at Memphis and you think, okay, this guy's a running back. Like, look what he, you know, he, certain tapes he he looks like he's a running back. Then certain tapes he looks like he's better as a as a pass catcher. So he can do a little bit of both, and I, I think that's I, I think he'll shine uh, both spots when he works out here this week. Uh, Dane has up on. TheAthletic.com is complete guide to the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine, which covers a ton of players, uh, medical evaluations, you know, guys that need to do well in the interview room, all those sorts of things. Again, if you don't have a subscription yet, you can get to TheAthletic.com slash prospects to pros for 40% off, and that gets you access to Dane's draft guide when it comes out. Uh, Ted, what are you... uh, what are you watching here? Like, what are you looking for over the next three, four days to help guys jump out for you? Uh, I mean, 
honestly, I'm I'm just catching up on draft stuff myself. <laughs> so I'm just cheating with you know reading Dane's guides and and all that. Um, but I'm I'm here just to you know to network and meet you guys and put a few, you know, <laughs> faces to all the people that we interact with on Twitter all day. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, obviously I'm interested in seeing what some of these running backs and wide receivers run. I want to see if Henry Ruggs could break the 40 record, uh, yeah. that kind of deal. But I mean, I, I just did a, uh, a film room with J.K. Dobbins, um, who, Dane, he's your number one back, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, and I, I was just so impressed with his, his football IQ. You and, talked to him, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we talked about uh, some plays, and he broke it down. And, That's awesome. Yeah, he, he just has a really great knowledge of uh, even coverages and um, linebackers. He, he looks for things like linebacker demeanor, and um, he, he has really good vision, and you can see how his preparation really helps him uh, with finding those holes that could be tough. Well, same question that I asked you with Burrow. If you had to boil it down to just one trait, what do you think he does? the best better than uh, anything else and his anticipation of holes opening up because sometimes you just see him run into what looks like a wall and all of a sudden like a hole opens up yeah. so yeah uh, no, i'm just I, I really agree. impressed with that it, it's, it's uncanny i mean some guys were just born to play the running back position mm-hmm. and he's, he's one of them it's just it's uncanny how he 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 trusts the offense uh design almost to a fault mm-hmm. because he he trusts his guys so much that it's going to open and he sees it so well he's so patient um, and he, he did play behind a, a pretty talented offensive line at Ohio State, but I think that, that that's something, just like we're talking about with Burrow and the pocket awareness and the composure, how that translates, Same, that, and that's why Dobbins, to me, that's why I love DeAndre Swift, and I love Edwards Hilaire. Jonathan Taylor's awesome. I, I lean Dobbins just because he's so smart, and he's so he has such a good understanding of where the hole's going to be and the timing to hit it just at the right time so you know he can get to the second level and then everything else that he does. you know He can make guys miss at the second level. He's got a little juice uh, where he can run away from guys. Um, he's pretty good as a pass catcher. Uh, needs to get better as a blocker, but there, there's so much to like about him, and, and it all starts with, like you said, the, the preparation, and that, that that's that's really awesome that when you talk to him that that was kind of your takeaway and mm-hmm. that 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 says a lot about him as a player yeah for sure and uh, i i think i have my my, my running back one too i still have to catch up some other guys but it's hard to for to imagine somebody jumping him right now i think how i, I don't want to dive too much into the running back discussion you know like how early do you draft a running back but where if your team uh, could use a running back how early would you feel comfortable drafting a player like that um, uh, probably Bob the first round, and yeah. I, it also depends on your situation too. Um, right, you know, if, if, if you're a team that's poised to make a, a playoff run and you just need a little a little spark from the running back position, I would say, you know, bottom of the first round is good. But uh, in general, I'm just not big on drafting running backs, you know, too high. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So the other big aspect of this is we've talked about is the medicals. Uh, you, as I mentioned, you've got a, Dane's got a ton of guys listed in his uh, scouting guide that. Uh, Needed to have good medical checks here. Uh, there were a bunch of players, uh, several offensive linemen, said that they're probably not going to be working out here. Uh, Tyler Biotish uh, said he had a little procedure on an AC joint in his shoulder. I think Ben Barch said he wasn't going to be working out. I didn't hear what the issue was there. Uh, ben Bredesen from Michigan said he uh, tweaked a hamstring. Uh, did you guys catch Ben Barch's uh, shake, the ingredients to his shake that he helped, helped put him on weight to go from tight end to tackle? All right, here we go. Oh, God. Uh, his magic shake, quote unquote, uh, seven eggs, oh, oh, co- wow. cottage cheese, grits, peanut butter, banana, and Gatorade. 
Oh my! He do that every day or multiple times a day? Uh, whatever it took, I guess. Oh my god! <laughs> that was his breakfast uh, breakfast smoothie. Fifty five pounds uh, in two years to move from tight end to offensive tackle in a clothespin to plug his nose. Anyway, yeah, he said I'd gag sometimes, but that's what oh, you have to do. The texture of that just sounds disgusting. <laughs> I mean, that that tells you something right there about the guy's dedication. Like, <laughs> I mean, that that takes something to invest. You know, every day drinking that stuff to because he's not it's not like he went to division three thinking he'd have an nfl future he's playing division three because he enjoys playing football and yeah. so to have that type of dedication that to move positions gain all that weight uh, that says something about him i was on the fence at the cottage cheese and he lost me with the gatorade at the end <laughs> i don't think that combination works at all <laughs> no uh so the other injuries um you know brian edwards came out uh foot the foot he's the eight to 12 weeks he said for the rehab so won't That's be able to do anything before uh the draft um we talked about Tua like who else down here Dane is really a guy that needs to come out of here clean uh I think Terrell Lewis uh pass rusher from Alabama really stands out this is a guy that has uh more career sacks double the career sacks than he does career starts uh injuries durability that's been the biggest reason why uh the acl he had an elbow um had some other knee stuff and so just leaving here with teams feeling good about um not only where his former injuries are but moving forward um not being a guy that's considered injury prone because he has first round traits he's so long he's so quick um, I think it was uh, Sadiq Charles uh, mentioned uh, Terrell Lewis as a guy that really uh, gave him trouble uh, because he's so long. He has a trouble combating that. And so um, I, we talk with these pass rushers, you know, Chase Young is the top guy, obviously. And then when's that second tier start and how quickly, you know, with AJ Epinesa and Chase on and Gross Matos. If Lewis is healthy, he's in that mix, that second tier but it's just going to be a big question about uh, the medicals and, and what comes out of it. Uh, Zach Moss, um, I know was a guy that was on that list for you, Another was talking one, yeah. about just you know how he likes to run with such a physical style, likes to bounce off those tackles, punish defenders, and so that's kind of the natural question. Like, are you going to be able to hold up and doing that? And uh, LaVisca Chenault, mm-hmm. kind of the same question in a different position. Uh, just, you know, how well are those guys going to hold up? And you, you mentioned them as kind of the injury check because they both had problems going back to college yeah lavisca was my number one receiver in the summer uh, coming into the year I, I loved his sophomore tape and then this year i mean i still like i still like him a lot it's just it's just hard to trust especially in this wide receiver class when there's just so many guys it's just the, the the best predictor of future injuries is past injuries and um you know obviously we're not uh you know we get some of the information but we don't know the full medical scope of these guys and their exams and everything they find and uh, all that uh, we, it's kind of secondhand information we just have to to work with uh, and it'll be interesting to see what teams think about uh, those two players especially uh, because I don't I don't and I don't know that I want to change their mentality I mean that's what makes Zach Moss such a, a talented runner is his appetite for contact his his contact balance um, and he has the body type to do it and just in terms of the structure it's just can it hold up especially when you talk about going to the NFL and facing bigger faster stronger guys and uh natani moody i think was another guy on there i don't know if you heard anything about his medicals Uh, speaking of food he said he uh occasionally a polish off a 10 by 10 at in and out burger 10 patties 10 10 slices of cheese so 
We got all the food. Ten burgers? We're going to have to do a food episode. Ten, it, ten patties. It's like oh, one, like on one burger? One burger. Stack How do you even I don't know. That? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It has good taste in fast food. We know <laughs> that. Uh, uh, oh, you're ranking in and out's power rank over White Castle. All right, there we go. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> spoken like true California guys. <laughs> both, both of you, uh, Mooty and uh, and you, Ted. Uh, well, any uh, close out here? Any final thoughts here moving forward? Like I said, we got workout starting Thursday. Uh, teams wrapping up. Uh, by, uh, for the most part, a lot of these interviews that they're doing, the formal interviews with uh, teams, the pressers are still going through. Uh, Friday for us, uh, the media with the players. But uh, Dane, anything you know you're looking forward to over the next three, four days? Uh, well, this this whole week's going to be a continued uh, feeling out process with just the new schedule and trying to figure out how to how this, this is going to work. But yeah, tomorrow we get to talk to the defensive players. Um, that'll be interesting. The you know Chase Young will be up there, and some of these other guys interested to talk to them, find out, uh, especially these underclassmen that we, maybe we don't know uh, as much about, and then. Finally, tomorrow night we got guys on the field, and you know it's people digest the combine in different ways, um, and that's from us on the outside, from those that are going to be in the building watching, you know, NFL types. Um, it's there's something to be gained from it, uh, no matter how you view it, and so it'll be interesting to see when we walk away from this week how we how we view that, and I mean we'll we'll have you covered here on the podcast and let you know what we think. Ted, you should, you're uh, here to network, so where's the, you got a spot picked out? Where are you setting up shop? PFF has a party tonight at 8 o'clock <laughs> at the, uh, what's the steak, that famous steak place that everybody goes to? St. Elmo's? Yeah, St. Elmo's. So nice. uh, I'm, I'm going to that, and uh, it's going to be my part two against their shrimp cocktail. Last year, I wasn't prepared. I had no idea what I was uh, getting into, and I spit it out. Oh, wow. Uh, but this year, I know what I'm getting into, and I'm going to... Did you practice? Like, I, come, uh, you know, did you prepare yourself mentally? And you know, Yeah, I snorted a horseradish last night <laughs> in, uh, in preparation. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. You're, you're devoted. Yeah, <laughs> that is a definite challenge, that, that trim, trim cocktail at Elmo's there, St. Elmo's. So, uh, all right, well, thanks uh, to everyone for listening here. We'll be back uh, again to wrap things up on the Prospects to Pros podcast later on. Um, once the, we get through some of these drills here at the Combine. so uh, And again, check us out at theathletic.com slash prospects to pros. Get 40% off a subscription that gets you access to everything on theathletic.com and get you access to Dane's Draft Guide. Check out all our podcasts. We've got, I don't even know how many people we have down here. <laughs> we have a lot of people down here. NFL folks, uh, college folks, fantasy folks. So it's an army. We got it covered pretty well from uh, sideline to sideline. So uh, thanks for listening here uh, again we'll be back real soon with uh, a recap of everything that's gone on on the field uh, once players get into drills so for our producer kent garrison for ted Wynn, for dame brugler i'm chris burke thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon